Hi everybody and thank you for tuning in today on A View From Below with me, Danny Missing. Today I'm joined by Levi Steedman, amateur MMA standout. She does have a record of 6-4 and four and is the current Budo Flyweight Champion. We talk about all kinds of things, including her career, her, devel her development as a fighter, the women's MMA evolution and eating challenges. She gets kind of excited over the eating challenges, so stay tuned for that. But again, thank you for joining us. Sit back and enjoy. Good day to everyone who's listening. Uh, thanks for joining us today. I've got Levi Steedman with me, um, just having a bit of a chat. She's an amateur flyweight MMA fighter. She's got a record of six and four. She's currently the Budo flyweight champion and fights out of SPG Manchester. But most importantly, she hasn't watched Tiger King. So we're going to get to that in a little bit. How are you doing today, Levi? I'm not too bad. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Uh, um, just uh, got more free time than I can handle right now. How are you finding it? Ah, to be honest, it's driving me insane. I'm not going to lie. I'm just literally working out, thinking about how many other hours I've got, and then kicking the shit out of my uh, boxing bag just to just to waste some time. Really, <laughs> that's about it. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's absolutely mental right now. No, I feel your pain. Um, I mean, as a semi-active fighter myself, and I say semi-active, I do it for shits and giggles nowadays. Um, but as a semi-active fighter myself, I thought. You know, this lockdown could be a good thing. I could, you know, I did have a, I did have a bout myself coming up, um, a K1 bout, and uh, obviously it got knocked back like pretty much everybody's fight in the UK or in the world has. And uh, I thought, you know, I can I can refine a few things. I can do this, I can do that. And since then, I've just eaten cake and looked at my punch bag. Yeah, that's, I mean, it's, it's kind of what I, my approach the first couple of days, it was a bit depressing and I was like, ah, you know, I can just eat a bit of chocolate and it'll be fine. And then I stood on the scales and I was like, shit, it's not fine. Like, we need to do something about this. And then I just kind of, you know, got a little bit of a workout program going on and trying to keep myself busy because I think as, like, as a fighter, you just, you constantly want to be doing something because with, like, I'm sure you obviously know yourself with, with MMA, there's so many things that you've got to think about in, you know, in one fight. And you then yeah. also you're training as well and then you go sitting in your, in your bedroom staring at four walls. It's like, what the hell are you supposed to do? I don't even know what normal people do. <laughs> That's the thing. What do normal people do? I've um, I went through that. I feel a bit better prepared than yourself right now because uh, when my youngest were born, I kind of went through that. You know, stepped away from fighting a little bit. I'd had an I'd had an half decent career, made a bit of noise, um, and then I stepped away from it for a little bit because it was just like, well, now I've got to be a dad, and then uh, I was thinking to myself. What do normal people do? You know, like babies change, babies bath, babies fed. Um, I could be choking someone out right now, but I'm not. You know, you go from training. My training regime was six days a week at the time. And it were three hours in the morning, three hours in the evening. Um, and then a big one on a Saturday. I'd have Sunday as a cheat day. Yeah. As a rest, a rest and a cheat day. But it's like, it just seems that like you go from, it is quite an active sport. You're right. You've got so many things to kind of focus on. You're striking, so many different styles of striking. And you've got your grappling and, you know, again, you can make a list as long as your arm. Yeah, definitely. The styles of grappling that there is and there's more coming out all the time. It's, uh, 
And then you go to just being locked in your house with a punch bag, you know, a bit of body weight exercise and stuff like that. Yeah. It drives you stir crazy. It, it shows you that, you know, I, I see a lot of, you know, MMA fighters, like legendary ones that come back after, you know, having time, you know, having retiring and stuff. I say, no, don't come back. Don't be fucking stupid. Don't ruin, like, this legacy that you created. And then now, when I'm sat here thinking, I can't do it anymore. Like, well, up until, you know, until the government fucking says we're allowed. But then you think, yeah. I understand now why these guys actually retire and then go, ah, oh, do you know what, I'll have one more fight. Oh, do you know what, I'll come back and have another fight. Even though it's, like, dreadful to see. I understand. Yeah. Because you think, I've been fighting for this however many years and then sitting in your house after that and going, yeah, I'm not doing that ever again. Like, what? It's crazy, isn't it? So I, I completely understand where they're coming from now. Instead of Yeah, it's a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle. It's not something that you choose to do as a bit of a hobby. The thing is with MMA, and the reason I... Not to talk about myself too much here, but the reason I've stepped back from MMA and just gone strictly into K1 is because MMA was so life-consuming. It, yeah. it was almost like I did MMA, then lived. Yeah. You know, it were, it were crazy. <laughs> and Yeah. It's bred into you. You haven't got this. Have you ever had one of those conversations with someone when they've gone, why do you fight? Yeah. And then you just... yeah. How do you explain that? I don't even, I, I don't even think I answer it half of the time. Because sometimes I like, <laughs> why do you sit on your ass and watch Jeremy Kyle? You know, because you like doing it. It's just, a lot of people are yeah. crazy. And probably, yeah. <laughs> but at yeah. the time, it's fun. You know, it's a, it's a sport at the same time. So, you know, it's competition. That's that's what I I completely yeah. believe is is a competition because yeah. anything can be a competition for me. It doesn't really matter what it is. It, you know, <laughs> I don't really care. Like uh, I'm absolutely shit at running. Shit. You probably see my face in yeah. is ranting about it. Shit. Oh yeah. And then I'm one of these people. In fact, I was having this conversation with someone who they were saying I'm one of these people that do not want to be bad at something. I can't. I refuse to be bad at something. I don't even if it, even if it was like fucking egg and spoon race, I've got to get I've got to be good at it. <laughs> I was doing this <laughs> absolutely blowing out my ass. I was like, oh my God, I am the worst runner. Then the next day I thought, don't want to do that again. But I'm gonna do it again because I want to do it faster. I don't want to do it more efficiently. Nearly had a heart attack, but I've done it faster. And then it's just that type of mentality that I think I'll never actually get rid of because that's that's even since I was a kid as well. Like, yeah. I mean, going on a, off on a tangent now, but I was pissing myself laughing because I found, like, all my reports from when I was, a, you know, like a teenager in high school and stuff, and it goes through, like, oh, oh, yeah. subjects. I was just laughing my head off because in the sport bits, so in the in the peace section, it, didn't, it give you, like, a little rundown of me and what I was doing in this year and whatever. And um, one of the downsides, what the teacher put was, Levi gets very frustrated when somebody can't do something. And I was having this conversation again, and I was like, no, but it's true. Like, I'm, I'm that type of person that if you can't throw a ball, I'm going to say, why the fuck can't you throw a ball? Like, this is <laughs> normal. This is fucking simple hand and eye coordination. Pick up the ball and throw it. And I used to get into, like, proper arguments with, like, the girls in, on the PE team, and it was, like, my, my, um, my PE teacher, I remember, just going mad at me all the time, going, you know, you, you can't be... Not everybody's good at things. And I was like, we're playing fucking tennis. I was like, you can't hit the fucking ball. So like, <laughs> bubble all the time and get sent out. And But I think that's just from, from when I was a kid, you know. Like, I've got yeah. the funniest pictures. I need to put them on Facebook. It's just funny. So when I grew up with two brothers who are six and four years, four and six years older than me, 
Um, yeah. And obviously, whatever they did was gospel to me when, when I was growing up. So I, whenever my brothers used to go out, and this is when, you know, must have been about five, maybe, um, or even a little bit, bit younger or a bit older, I used to wear their clothes. I used to put their football kits on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's funny because, like, they used to support Liverpool at this time. This is years ago. We obviously all support City now. And um, I've got these, like, massive, like, shorts on, massive T-shirts running around the estate, like, kicking footballs and, like, playing with the lads and everything. And it's just so funny. And I think, you know, obviously that's where it stems from, is wanting to be like my brothers and, like, be a little boy, a little bloke walking around the street. And the best thing, yeah. you know, Conor McGregor's, like, billionaire strut thing? I used to yeah. do that when I was a kid. And I'm not joking. I used to do it that far. Walk around. And my mum used to say, walked around like you had massive bollocks. Like, you was just, it was ridiculous. But it was so funny. I need to find like form of footage or pictures of it. It's just absolutely brilliant. You need to do that. And uh, if you send me one, your best one, I'll put it as um, part of the tag for the actual podcast. Um, just you know, get people look twice. Likewise, Levi in uh, in a Big Brother's clothes. <laughs> but that's what I mean. Like it stems from something inside, um, and obviously. I mean, you could, you've probably seen me in person. I'm, I'm a midget. Um, I used to play semi-professional basketball myself. Yeah. Um, and, we, you know, we, we fluctuated between the pro levels and the semi-pro levels. We were basically at that line where um, we'd play BBL teams, which is like Britain's very, very crap equivalent of the NBA. Yeah. Um, and we'd play local league teams, you know, depending on whether it were a tournament or whatever. So we had a couple of televised games and whatnot. And I walked away from basketball. Um, I was in a position at one point where I put together this video and I'd given it to Coach Bell, a coach of mine who called Coach Bell Follow I could never say his name properly. Um, but really, 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 really knowledgeable of the game. And he was one of those coaches where it didn't matter what age you were at or out like that. Um, he were approachable. He could talk to anyone. Um, so he always got the best out of me. And uh, we'd put together this uh, package to send out something. And we had a lot of American schools interested in, in stuff. Not, not long after that, I actually walked away from basketball and I was looking for something a bit bigger. I was always competitive. I always had to be the best at everything. I look like what you're saying. I mean, you ought to see me play Monopoly. I, I made my kid cry over there playing Monopoly and uh, realised that that's just not a father some project that we can do together again. They've got, um, <laughs> they've got <laughs> But it was one of those. Um, I walked away from basketball. I, um, I found boxing uh, on my street that we do this boxing club and I went in there and it still wasn't enough for me. Anyway, I ended up at an old gym called Cage Steel. But you'll have seen the like the clothing and whatnot. But I, I was actually at that gym. Uh, walked in for a boxing class there. Obviously back in the day, MMA were an absolute shit all. Like it were you, you were there because you wanted to do it. You weren't there for the money, the fame and all like that. You were there because you wanted to do it. And I'm only talking twelve years ago now. Um, and I walked in and there was this coach called Jacob on Mats and I'm thinking this don't look like boxing and uh, <laughs> someone that everybody uh, some you know somewhat experienced within the sport will know whether you love him or you hate him he was a wicked coach but a, not the best fighter a guy called Mark Aldridge and uh, he 
said, oh, what are you doing here? And I was just like, I'm, I'm, I'm here for boxing. He goes, oh, it's not boxing, it's wrestling. The only thing at this point I know about wrestling is speedos, elbow pads and people's eyebrow. Yeah. I look over and I see this little Iranian lad that's probably as wide as I am tall, but only as tall as me as well. He looked like a, a little human fridge. <laughs> Duplexing the guy that they call, that I, I learned they called the bear. It was this Polish guy over his head in a demo. It wasn't even a live, it wasn't even a live grapple or anything like that. It was just a demo. And I'm thinking, I'm, I've come all the way to find this place. I've got to stay. Yeah. So, definitely. like, I ended up in there and it ticked all the boxes for me because I got my ass kicked. I remember crawling off at Matt. And then since then, people are like, why do you do it? Why do you do it? And it's like, I cannot explain it to you if you do not have that gene in you. You know, I think it transcends, transcends that, that point between sport and life. Yeah, that's so true. And you've got to be obsessed. You've got to be obsessed. Otherwise, you're going to get hurt. That is hundred percent true. It's like when you know. It's. I mean, my. I even got my brother into doing in jujitsu um, as well. I think like he. We must have developed like this respect between each other. When you find out how fucking hard it is, like you know, me and my brother. One of my brothers, Zach, um, is the middle brother, not the oldest one. Like yeah. Now we were like cat and dog. We just argued all the time. Like we just got under each other's skin, and then obviously started doing MMA and then eventually he was like, he used to watch MMA anyway, like that's probably where I got it from years ago. And then he, he started to come to, you know, competitions and watch me and he's like, you know what, I'm going to give it a go. And then ever since then, and he's realised how hard it is, we've become like the best of mates. And I think that's like, it just shows you that unless um, you, you know anything about it, you don't understand like what you actually have to go through and like the, the pain yeah. you go through, the actual mental toughness that you go through. You know, you can watch it and hate when people go, oh, it's just like rolling around in your pyjamas, isn't it? I'm like, well, fucking yeah, if someone tried to strangle you to death as well. Yeah, yeah if your pyjamas were possessed and they were trying to twist your arm up your back, choke you out and do whatever else, you know. it's uh, You're right, you're right. And I think that that's why... Um, some of the best mates that I've ever made in MMA are the people who I've punched in the face. Yeah. And I think because you've got that mutual respect there, you can stand across um, the cage from someone and you can give, I'm not good at an evil face. Um, I, I got I got a weird face as it is, you know, I can't, if I try to pull an evil eye at someone, uh, they're just going to laugh at me. They'll be like, why so, are you at me? What's, what's going on? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but I think in that moment, you know that that person, minus your journeymen, obviously, and your journey women now, but you know that that person has literally gone through a mirror image of everything you've gone through, and you want to win. You're not going to let them stand in the way of that. You're going to take them out. But at the end of it, there's always that handshake, that hug, you know what I mean? And yeah. I don't know about you, but I always drop them a message, after, you know, like day after or a couple of days after, just like how you're healing or how you're feeling or well done, you know what I mean? Anything like that. And it just, it sparks a flame because they understand right off the bat what you've gone through because they go through it themselves. Yeah, it's quite a, it's a weird feeling, I think, because it's like there's, there's not many sports where you can, I mean, not saying you hate your opponent or anything, but like you just said that you go out, you want to take them out because they want to take you out and you don't want to get beaten mm. up them because also they don't want to fucking get beaten up and it's all this weird, like, it's such a weird atmosphere and then after it it's like completely fine because they're still yeah. human like you say um, and you can you know you have a good chat with them after it and they're going through exactly what you're going through 
So, you know, I don't like yeah. for complete tricks like, you know, we've shit talked before. It's funny. And you know what? No one's ever done it to me before, so I've not had the chance to, you know, get out my one-liners, but it's like... <laughs> <laughs> this is probably... People have seen your um, social media, uh, and not to interrupt you or anything, no. but your social media absolutely cracks me up on a daily basis. That's why I, that's why I asked you, you know, to, to be on this, because you just absolutely crack me up, and people are probably avoiding a confrontation of words with you because... You're just quick, you're witty, and you're not above putting yourself out there as the joke. Yeah. And how can you put someone down who can jokingly put themselves down further? You know what I mean? You can't beat that person. Because, like, I think I've got it off my mum because she was like, Levi, she's like, there's no point trying to please anyone. And she went, just look after yourself. And she's like, don't give a shit about what anyone else thinks. And when I was younger, I never really thought like that. And then you get to a point in your life where you think, actually, you know what? I don't really give a shit what anyone else thinks. And then you end up think developing this type of like humour, don't you? Where you, you actually don't care that much that yeah. you you end up coming out with some some mad things. Like some of the lads at the gym must think she's fucking insane because I think they see as me see me as one of the lads anyway now. Like I don't even think yeah. I'm become a girl. Like I think if I post a picture of my hair down, they're like what the fuck? Like you've got hair. <laughs> like <laughs> I have actually. Like, it was so funny. We went on the um, again going off on the tangent, but. We went on the Christmas do, obviously, at Christmas. And obviously one of the, the training partners at um, SBG, Saul Rogers. So anyway, obviously, oh. Saul, Saul's fashionably late. And I'm sat there at the table with everyone. And then I go, no, you're right, Saul, blah, 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 And he's looking at me and he's talking. And he's like, fucking hell, Levi, I didn't even recognise you then. And I thought, I thought he was acting like a weirdo. Like, not really kind of giving me anything back. There's not much of a difference between looking like a little crackhead in the gym and then actually having a shower, you know combing my hair you know on another day but it's just it's pretty funny so yeah i, I do yeah going back that's the type of people you get in gyms though and um especially with ladies um i find that ladies always scrub up better than men always always um and you're not one of these you don't you don't look like you plaster yourself with makeup you know or but there's going to be times where you go out and you know you're not you're not coated head to toe in makeup in cage, but that's where people are going to see you. That's where you know that's what you do, and it, it, it's a lifestyle. So you're going to spend a lot of your time in the gym. People are going to see you with your hair tied back, sweat dripping off your face, maybe a few bumps, bruises. And I'll I'll be honest with you, I've only ever seen you like fighting or cornering people. Yeah, it shows. I mean, if, I if I saw you in the press, I, I I I wouldn't know who you were. Yeah, that that actually happens a lot. <laughs> Yeah, I can imagine. I think, fucking hell, like, you know, I'm walking past these people, I'm like, you're all right. And then they think, they're looking at me and they're thinking, do they even, do they even know who I am? Where I've had my hair down and stuff, and then people yeah. looking at me. Even the next day, like I say, the lads in the gym are like, oh, I didn't even know you were there. I've, I've, you know, I've, I didn't, you know, until I've seen the pictures of you there. Like, like I've got two different personalities and different uh, identities. There you go. Um, that's probably why Ronda Rousey did so well outside of MMA as well. You know, she could like scrub up and uh, she would be nothing fast and furious while she were fighting in UFC and you know stuff. Uh, like that. I think that's such a good idea because like she took advantage of the fact that of her sex appeal, basically, as she like it's, it's brilliant because you've got all these freaks that want to see her looking like a girl and with like, you know, sports bras on and all this mad stuff. Um, yeah. Money out of it, which you know, I 
I appreciate that. I think that's pretty cool. You know, somebody... oh, you know, nothing against it at all. A lot of people say, you know, you get, and I hate them. I hate them with a passion. I really do. I think they're the shit stains of the earth. Kardashians. Okay. Yeah. And they're selling themselves, they're selling their bodies, they're selling their very limited ideas. And, you know, people like that in this, you know, say this time of crisis and stuff, they're going to live comfortable. Uh, you know, Kim only became famous off a sex tape. Yeah. Um, most guys watched it because it was Kim Kardashian. I, I caught, I'm not going to lie, I caught a couple of minutes of it um, just to hear Ray J, Ray, Ray J um, say a few weird things. And uh, have you ever seen that uh, meme on Facebook where the guy's like, I'm coming like a train, choo-choo. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that that, there, that was Ray J and Kim Kardashian. It was, if you watched it without the video, it would have been hilarious. Oh, God. But, um, yeah, you've got people like that who... I literally, without the skin, without the filters, without the lip fillers and whatnot, they won't make it. They won't make a penny. Then you've yeah. got someone like Ronda Rousey, who MMA has outgrown her. I'm not gonna lie, MMA has outgrown her. She's still great at what she does, but now you've got people coming up, and it's kind of like back in the day where you've got people who were good at certain styles, and you get someone like Rich Franklin who comes along, and he hasn't trained any individual style, but he's trained MMA. Yeah. He kind of caught all those one-dimensional people off guard and it took him to the top. Now you've got some, you know, these people who were like good at one style, so you're Holly Holm. Holly Holm absolutely brutally slaughtered uh, Ronda Rousey. Yeah. She would have won Trick Pony. I'm not saying that she can't learn it. Ronda Rousey, she would have won Trick Pony. Yeah. Um, at the time, it's kind of like saying Hoist Gracie was a one-trick pony. Do you know what I mean? It's like they came in and she revolutionised women's MMA and put it, I wouldn't say put it on the map, but to the casual fans, she put it on the map. Yeah. Uh, Thinking about like the UFC, obviously the biggest promotion in the world, she she kind of put it out there because Dana didn't, didn't he say he would never have females on there? Oh yeah, he he never wanted it. He didn't want it. But Dana's also smart. Dana also sees a cash cow when you, you know what I mean? He recognises a cash cow when he sees it. And when you've got a badass like Ronda Rousey, who's disrespectful, who snapped somebody's arm, and you can literally put the title on and say, right, create a division. Yeah. I mean, she had more success with that than Demetrius Johnson had with the flyweight division. Because let's run them side by side. They put the belt on Demetrius or whatever, but he ended up with the belt. And he couldn't create that division the way that Ronda created the women's MMA division. Yeah, that's so true. It is. It is. It's very true. Um, but, you know, you've got Ronda now and she'll go off. She's gone into WWE. She's selling a sex appeal and stuff. She's ended up on Sports Illustrated. But it don't mean that that's what she was. She came from something pretty substantial, which is like, you know, she's probably the baddest woman on the planet for, you know, quite a few well, years. She was, yeah. She actually was, wasn't she? So... That's yeah. what, what killed it a bit for me was like, I um, really pride like myself on having like this, this strong um, like mental side to it, you know, mm. and didn't do that. Like, you know, I'm thinking if I ever got very big in, in MMA, I'd want to be like this really good role model. You know, you can be whoever you want to be, you know, especially like as girls growing up, like the one thing I hated was like, you know, I, I swear a lot. I swear a hell of a lot. And then when you hear people go, oh, you know, young ladies shouldn't swear. 
I think, fuck you, I can do whatever I want. And that's what I want people to, you know, grow up, grow up like, because I don't want them thinking, um, you know, going to, say, for example, this is what, what I see a lot when I watch, like, MMA and the weigh-ins and stuff, and you see the girls turning up in, like, dresses and, the, you know, having them getting all looking, like, really nice for the, not the weigh-ins, but, you know, the little face-off before it and stuff like that. Yeah. And then you get people who aren't as good coming in, you know, with the jeans on and the trackies and stuff like that, and you can clearly tell that. They're only dressing up for the, the popularity of it, you know, obviously getting the men involved, wanting to yeah. like, because they're pretty, you know, stuff like that. But I'm not bothered. I, I don't even know what I would wear, to be honest. I won't wear a fucking dress, that's for sure. But I just want to be that person who's mentally strong, you know, wants to get girls involved with the sport and things like that. And that's what Rhonda kind of failed on doing was she made people get interested in it. But then as soon as she had one loss, she'd come out with that whole suicidal... Um, yeah. she did was it on the Ellen show I can't remember what it was but I just she really let me down with that because I'm all open for people talking about the, you know the mental health issues but yeah. I want somebody saying to like young girls out there as soon as you've hit a barrier as soon as you've hit a bump in the road that's it yeah. rumble mentally and you know want to give up I just thought it was a little bit weird and that's why that's what put me off her like I can't say she's not a good fighter because I do think she really is but after that, it just it fucked up a little bit for me, for to be honest. Yeah, know. there's no, there's no mental toughness there. Um, it's, it's so sad to see because what you want to see, and everybody loves an underdog. Everybody loves an underdog, and this is one of the reasons why I like Aldo. Um, he got, he got, he got starched by McGregor. He got starched. There's no two ways about it. He got, he got starched. But he's kind of worked his ass back up to top, you know, and he's carries on going, win, lose, or draw, he keeps on going, keeps on going. Ronda, I would have liked to have seen a little bit more perseverance out of her. Yeah. And come across as that strong role model. Because even if she got her ass kicked again, she can say, you know what, I got up and I tried. Yeah. I think it was it was all a bit strange, wasn't it? Like I think mm. the the idea of a fighter thinking about the term fighter and not mixed martial artist is like, you know, obviously you've got to be a mixed martial artist, you've got to be, you know, respectful, you've got to learn all the different arts, but at the same time, if you don't have that fighter mindset, then you won't win, you know, most of the time. Like, most of the time, you know, your technique and everything can can win your fights, but if you're in a a bit of a shit position because for some reason you've made the wrong decision um, and next minute, you know, you're on your back and someone's trying to punch your face in, you know, you can't be weak-minded at that point can you like i i've been in some fights where i think fuck like you know this is this is the end i'm I'm gonna end up ref's gonna call it off or i don't know you know i'm not gonna win this fight and i've turned it back around because i sit there and think my mum has not raised me up to just sit here like a little bitch and cry about getting punched like no way like there is a bit i mean i go on about like loads of different fights but my favorite my favorite fight well favorite part of the fight actually was um, my fight against Dakota on that Almighty was yes. Down. It was an awful fight, you know. I got beat, whatever. But it was on. The, it was like a pivotal point in my career. Was I was in the, her corner actually, and she was near me, and I kept thinking, "Fuck me!" Like I have got internal bleeding or something. Like this is so bad. And then I could barely breathe, and I heard her mum because her mum's a, a coach. I heard her mum in the yeah. corner. She's gonna give. Yeah, keep going. Like it's the end. She's giving up, and I was like, "Nah, fuck that." Like no way, I was like, I can't do it. So then eventually, I would inside for that. Did you? Would, um, was, 
commentating or was you was you just there? No, I was fighting that night. I was fighting uh, James Williams. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I'd taken it on a few weeks' notice after having about two years out, um, and I was really not in shape. But one of my favourite moments of that night was watching your fight against Dakota, because everybody I had like I, I have contacts with um, one of the guys out of heavy duty management. Oh yeah. And he were, he'd been bigging her up for ages. And don't get me wrong, she's she's talented. She's very talented. Um, I feel like she's probably going to go down um, like, you know, like sack shit. But, you know, I say things that people don't like. I feel like she's surrounded by a lot of yes people. Um, and almost like, uh, imagine a pushy moment, a beauty pageant. Yeah. Yeah, that's how I feel about it. And, you know, we're all entitled to his opinions. But I was watching the fight. She's wicked. She's wicked. I've heard about, oh, I've seen you fight. And I'm thinking, this is going to be one hell of a fight. And the best thing about that fight for me, two things. So one thing was in the moment, every time it looked like she thought she was going to get the win, because for me, she didn't have that killer instinct. Okay, Because as much as you didn't want to quit, she was in a position, she was in positions where if she'd had that killer instinct, she could have pr- probably put it on a bit more. Yeah. Secondly, you were never fucking out of that fight and I had that I had that scored. I think there was one of the rounds where you came back. I don't know whether it was the middle or the last round, but you put it on. Her. Yeah, well, do you know what? It was funny because I, I always like take the piss out of the fight in the gym because it's just funny, like... Anytime anyone gets need in the gym, like Matt goes, don't fucking, you know, stand there and get need like Levi did against Dakota. It makes me laugh because yeah. it's funny. You can't cry about it. It was it's no. funny watching that now, but you know, it was a lesson learned. But um, yeah, it was it was in that second round, and it was probably one of the you know it would probably be one of the toughest fights I've had. You know, considering how many fights yeah. you know she's had in in professional kickboxing, actually, not even you know amateur yeah. kickboxing. Um, but yeah, I think the the pivotal moment in that was the was the double double leg takedown that I got. But I was actually, yeah, I could have. To be honest, like I'm thinking back now, there was points where I could have probably finished it, like on the floor when I took it down. But I thought, Levi, you can have a rest, chill out for a minute. <laughs> like, my yeah. arms like jelly. You're fighting off a back foot, and you gave every ounce of everything that you have in that right, and that was visible. And I think it was one of those fights for a lot of people where watching it. Nobody was noticing the clean, polished striker that was meant to... I mean, on paper, given everything that she's done, you know, in arts before, you know, to the casual fan, you look on paper and like, yep, Dakota's meant to win. Yeah. You know that that's not true. I've been in fights that I'm meant to win and I've lost. I've been in fights that I'm meant to lose or I shouldn't have even been there and I've absolutely destroyed the guy. Yeah. We know that's not the case. We're fighters. And that was the beauty of it. After that fight, everyone was ta- everyone in the crowd was talking about you. Casual fans, people who knew her, people who knew you, they were all talking about you because you were just that that pit bull in the fight that you weren't going to give up and you were looking for it. And you, you weren't just waiting for an opportunity. You were looking to create opportunities and going through all that shit just to find that opportunity. And I, you say it was a pivotal point in your career, which we'll talk about in a second, because I've noticed a few things that I absolutely love. Um, but I think that that there was not even just in your career, but 
a lot of people's perceptions to, um, you know, local MMA. Yeah. And yeah. that there was a pivotal point for them because you've got this women's division, which is, it's not a new thing to anybody who's fought. I've always been in gyms. You know, my first two broken noses were from um, a lady fighter. Um, I say lady fighter, like it's, but she was a female fighter and she brought me nose twice in two separate sparring sessions. They've all, you know, women have always been involved in it, but they just not have that major platform that unfortunately men have had. So it's still quite a new thing. You see it in the UFC, but still today, like that almighty fight card, and no disrespect to them, I work for them, I absolutely love them, but there was only, what, one, possibly two women's fights on there? Yeah, I think it was, it was, it may have been two, I can't remember, it may have been yeah. the other thing. Yeah, sure. yeah, well, that's the one I remember. And so people take notice, people take notice when that happens because... They want to see it now. It's, it's yeah, like, like, hey, what's this? Like, not to, to jump in on what you're saying there, but... I was, no. Obviously, you know, Cage Warriors Manchester. Yeah. And I had a lot of people who were kind of like casual fans and kind of, you know, like MMA and like UK MMA. And they, they were messaging me like, oh, how come you wasn't on that show? Or how come there was no girls on that show? Like, yeah. Like, why wasn't there any girls on that show? Like, <laughs> I know, obviously, it was at the kind of starting point of the pandemic, wasn't it? And it was like the last yeah. show or anything. But it was a little bit weird that they didn't have not even one pro female fight because that's. That's a little, that's a bit strange now, isn't it? Like you usually see that there's usually at least one female fight on there. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely. More popular, which which is good. And I made a good point the other day. I can't remember who I was, who was speaking to about it, but saying like a lot of the guys go, oh, it's a, it's a lot easier for women to to get to like you know the higher rankings, get to the UFC. I was like, yeah, but there's two different ways of thinking about it. Is that Fair enough, there's probably less of us, which is brilliant for us because it's less of a you know a talent pool that they've got to pick people from. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, there's not as many journeymen and half-hearted girls in that bit, in this True. sport. If, if a female fighter is fighting, they're either really good or like kind of up-and-coming. There's no there's no real like journey women. Like you, no. don't just, you can't really just phone someone up, like, you know, obviously we street gym and go, so I fight this weekend, give you hundred quid. Yeah, buzzing. And nobody does that. So yeah. everybody who we have to fight has to have that same, you know, again like we was going back to the same mentality, same goals, same everything like that. And I think it's it's probably yeah, there's less of us, but the talent pool and for us and our size and us being females and whatever is is probably quite difficult as well. Like you see all of all the cage warriors and Bellator and and then, you know, the UFC are all fucking solid yeah. girls. So yeah. Like none of them are shit. So no, no, that that's it. You're still in that transition phase as well, where you because it's and it should have been for a very long time, but because it's a thing now, and people are like, hang on a minute, yeah, <laughs> and some of the most technical fights, some of the most vicious fights that I've seen yeah. in recent times has come from uh, from from female fighters. I yeah. mean, look at. Um, you only have to think back a couple of weeks um, to, I'm, I'm crap with names, but the Chinese champion um, against... Oh, Zhang, is it Zhang Weili or Zhang Weili, something like that? With yeah, yeah, we'll call her Zhang. Um, so, yeah, um, and against somebody who's pretty much, minus a couple of hiccups, dominated the, the division for so long. 
And that was an absolute gore fest, but a technical gore fest. It was like no wild winging or anything like that. Like that from start to finish, you could have you could have tuned in round one, round two, round three, tenth minute, twelfth minute, whatever. And it was technical right through to the end. But yeah. I mean, match. yeah, and um, and then the one that um, where Zan won the title. Oh yeah, that was a brilliant. That match. was nasty. And that was, like, one of the biggest knockouts that I've seen. Yeah, it was a fucking brilliant fight, that. It was against Andrade, wasn't it? And she yeah. Face in. And yeah, and who does that to her? I just, I really like seeing that, because it just shows you, don't you, like, every, you know, the sport's evolving, women are evolving, like, people want to watch the, the female fights, not just because yeah. it's the way, like, it's not like it was ages ago, like, oh, it's brilliant, like we're saying, Ronda Rousey's on, the tits are going to be bouncing around everywhere. <laughs> like, you know, that's yeah. Times. I'm not saying everybody tunes into that, but that's you know what usually happens. But now it's like shit. You know, Joanna and, and Zang, let's say, is fighting. It's going to be absolutely sick, technical wise. And everyone yeah. like all of the like the professional fighters are saying best fight you know ever, not best female fight, best fight yeah. ever in general, which is great. And it's you know it's it's quite um it's good for obviously the, the upcoming females thinking that's what you know they can they can achieve if they if they get on with it and really take it seriously yeah and it's it's like it's on a fast forward as well with the with the evolution of it all um so let's go back to ufc one you've got hoist grace who's like the epitome of this mixed martial arts um stuff you know even though he's only fighting really one style you're seeing the evolution come by um ufc by ufc signs for us strikes in now he's starting to you know what i mean do bits and bats but he was the dominant fighter and the first dominant female fighter, let's forget about Ronda Rousey for a second. Okay, we'll come back to her in a second. But outside of Ronda Rousey, I for me, it was Joanna Young Jacek. Yeah. But she was, she was like, what, getting off 300 shots a fight? Easy. Well, Lad, yeah. 299 of them a fight. Easy. She was this high volume uh, fighter. She had power in any limb, and she was destroying people. Now, from where men's, from how long it took men's MMA to get from that singular dominant fighter to, hang on a minute, we've got this pool of absolute killers where we don't know from one fight to the next who's going to win. How long it took men to get there? And we're talking a good just 10, 15 years. Yeah. It's and it still happens to t- today just because of the oversaturation of men in MMA. Now you've got that with the women's fighting, and that's only what five years. Yeah. And I absolutely love that now because when you when you watch these female fighters, it's like like for me, Zhang wasn't meant to beat Andrade. No. Shouldn't have anyway. <laughs> two two, two or three punches, and all of a sudden I'm like, okay, let's rewrite the history books here because that was that like nobody's done that. Yeah. And then you get Joanna against Zan, and it's like, wow, okay, it was like the you know, what's that saying? The immutable, the um, unstoppable force versus the immovable object. Yeah. <laughs> that was like Hulk Hogan against Andre the Giant, but well, in women's MMA. It was like mental. And I've just uh, I, I've just probably shown my age a little bit. But yeah, that were, uh, that's what it was for me because I've watched that fight back. 
I've watched it with no commentary. I've watched it with alternate commentary. I've watched certain rounds back in back on watched, the knife's edge. I, I refuse to watch fights with commentary unless it's my own because I do like to see what they, they say about me. But like, yeah. I just I think it just sways things so much. Like, especially if you know fan favorite or whatever, and you yeah. I, mean, I just think. Sometimes the commentary can be a bit biased. Not on every show. I mean, I think on the UFC as well, it's a, it's the same thing. But yeah. um, with um, with that fight as well, I think going back to like women's MMA, I think it's like a it's just like this lifelong mission because like always it's been you know males are better than females and whatever. And I'm not bothered. I don't really care about that. I don't get into the argument. But I think because we, I see this a lot and I hear it a lot, everyone goes, oh, you know, it's such a male dominated sport. I think yeah, it was, but we're like on the rise now. And oh yeah, they. I think it's like the female fighters' missions to want to get those fight of the nights and want to get those knockouts. So when people are actually talking about it, because you sometimes yeah. like my dad watches MMA now because he absolutely loves it, and he said, you know, he wishes he was younger because he could start doing. It. He's fifty-eight, and he he always says like he'll watch the UFC card and goes, you know what? He said, fucking the, the best fight on that card was like the, such and such a body. You know what? Like a female fight. And he goes, they actually mm-hmm. got. Fucking, whereas the other ones were like just you know fucking crotch hugging, like you know fight, yeah. and I think that's why they bring such good fights because they want to be noticed, they want to be kind of an equal, you know, like people saying oh the you know the female fights are just as, as good as the the male yeah. fight, and that's what I want as well. Like that's why I was buzzing, you know, going back to the, the fight and almighty and stuff was when people talking about it and like oh you're fucking males and this that and the other. Um, yeah. I was like, oh, good. You know, I want to, I want to be entertaining. I don't want to go out there and like you see these girls with like six and zero records. They were just, you see, like they'll touch gloves and they'll run at each other and they'll grab hold of each other and then grind yeah. out through fucking holding, you know, holding a body lock for five, you know, three rounds. No, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to do that. No, no, I don't even like people that much to want to get that close to them. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I, like, I just... want to fight, but I want to get out of there. Like I just want to do it, win, and then. Go home and get a pizza. Like <laughs> that's what definitely, I want. Definitely, definitely. Best, best post. Right. So let's take a little bit of a break from that. Right. Yeah. Best post fight meal you've ever had. Go. Best post fight meal. So I think one was it. It must have been a couple of fights ago, but I had um, what's called cakeaway from and it was like a big, massive, like blob of cookie dough with a big cream egg on top and lotus biscoff spread. <laughs> everything it was fucking amazing i think it even had a, like a big you know like um candy fried egg thing on the top as well it was just oh my god it was amazing but i just felt so sick after it oh yeah worst, i i, I look at myself oh go on sorry oh so, yeah the, the, the worst one i had was at christmas time so i think it was the second of december i defended my title on budo and mm-hmm. um and i was and Papa John's had the Christmas like festive menu out. I was like, oh my god, yes! I was like, I'm gonna get the pizza. So I got like the the Christmas dinner pizza. It's absolutely shit. I was so annoyed. I even ordered it before the fight. So I got up and I was like, what I'll do is I'll I'll pre-order it so that by the time I get home, it'll be like you know I'll be ready to order it. It'll be here, whatever. Ordered it all. Yeah. I was so disappointed. I, I wanted to punch fuck out the delivery man for it. It was horrible. <laughs> oh man, like that would be after going. Because it's a yo-yo diet, it's an MMA. Training in MMA, you're always going to be on that yo-yo diet. And I... Those emotions, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, I call it the old Ricky Atten diet. You know, you see me out, you see me out, if you saw me right now, 
my goodness, I'd be, I'm wearing like a baggy basketball tees and you can still see my belly through it. Then you see me in a fight and I've got abs and stuff like that. It's, uh, it's mental, but you've got to have some kind of, you've got to have not just some kind, but a lot of discipline to be able to put yourself through that for that end goal of potentially hitting someone or getting hit in the face. It's a mad old cycle. But where I draw the line is when I get shit food after a fight. Oh. I, I just I, I've waited too long for it, and oh my goodness, I could become like one of those, you know, Yelp reviewers. So much <laughs> shit that I've had after a fight. I was shit. <laughs> <laughs> I was shit. You don't know what I've been through. <laughs> oh, but, yeah, yeah, obviously. If it's not capitals, you're not shouting. I might even put it in sarcastic italics as well. But um, when I when I got it though, I was like, I cannot believe I've just been through like it was a five round fight, but I've finished during the third round. I think. Yeah, yeah. I was just tired. I wanted loads of food, and it came in a fuck's sake. I've literally been thinking about this for about three months. Oh, it killed me. Oh my goodness! Worst, the best one I ever had. Best one I ever had. I got creative. Um, I always used to. Um, I remember ages and ages ago fighting Paddy Pimlet. Back when he were amateur, it was his last, I believe it was his last amateur fight. I think he were 9 and 0 before he went pro. Yeah. Me and Paddy went the distance. I'd come from flyweight up to Bantam. He'd, uh, he were at Bantam, but he was still a young kid. Um, a lot of trash talk going on in that. He's the one person to ever beat me at trash talk. He really, really humbled me. But after the fight, we were in Liverpool. And I'd seen this, I'd been eyeing this Burger King up. I'd been in Liverpool for a few days, you know, just getting used to the environment, uh, trying to figure out language because I can't, I love Scousers to bits, but I can't understand what the fuck they're saying half at the time. So I figured, you know, at least if I'm getting cheered or threatened, I'll have a bit of a clue um, if I'm up there for a few days. But I'd walked past this Burger King and nothing has ever smelled as nice to me in my life than the last few days of weight cut and that Burger King. So I went for the Burger King. And, you know, it, it hit the spot. It was all right. So the fight after that, I was fighting back towards home. It might have been, that was my last fight before I went pro. Uh, so we're talking many moons ago now. And uh, I, I'm a soft ass. I can't eat old spicy. So whenever I get a curry, I'm that guy that gets a coma. Oh, no. I know, I know. You know, we can't all be perfect. Uh, <laughs> it's true. There's got to be something wrong with us, at least. One thing. There are, aren't they? Um, so I got uh, up at top at oh, I say up at top at road. It, where it's about a mile away, and there's M62 service station. And got KFC, Burger King, and everything in there. So I got someone to whiz me up there. Got myself triple whopper at the time when they were doing them. I don't know if they do them anymore because I don't get out to Burger King much. But I got a triple whopper, all the extra sauce and everything. On the way back down the hill. Shout out to Noshin. We're pulled in at Noshin. It's an absolute dive, but they do the best karmas. I mean, curries. <laughs> Picked up a double karma and had this Burger King. Chips, onion rings, triple whopper, a karma. And I basically treat it like a bloody rich, 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 uh, rich tea biscuit and a cuppa. And I just dunked it in there and ate it. And it was the best moment of my life. It's beautiful, isn't it, though? Like, the first time you can have a bit of, like, shit food after, you know, you've been dieting for so long. And you know what? It's not even worth it either. Like, no. I, it's, it's a massive mindfuck because you, you, you just, it's, it's like with babies, isn't it? Like, if you've got a toy, the baby wants it. And yeah. then 
you could go and pick something. Oh no, I don't want that now. I want what you've got. That's exactly mm. what I like. And I had to like, I've got a nutritionist now, Beth Packman, and um, oh. was saying like, you know, you need to have this. You need to stop having this bad relationship with food because I do. Like, what happened now? Don't judge me because it does sound a bit weird. But no, that's when I'm cool. For a fight, is um, I go on YouTube and I watch competitive eaters. <laughs> <laughs> to God, and I've proper like um, I, I mentioned it to my brother, and he's like, What the fuck? Like, the compare eaters, but there's a guy, and I think he's from Leeds, he's called Beard Meets Food, Adam. All right, yeah, and he's just like he's, he's got a pretty good personality, like, God, you know, good at his blogs and all that, but he can fucking put away some food and he goes and does all these challenges and stuff. And I'm literally sat here in bed salivating, thinking, Oh my God, I want to eat all that food, <laughs> but I do it, but I proper torture myself with it, and it's really bad, like, can't be good for me. But um, no. I do all these different things, like all these, you know, challenges, food challenges, like not man versus food, he's shit, like he never finished it. But these guys, I mean, they put away like ridiculous amounts of food, like 15 pounds worth of food, like over a stone <sighs> amount of food in the stomach at one time. And that's how bad it gets. Like I'm a proper fat butt, like I want food all the time. <laughs> I get <guess it's- laughs> so when I'm like cutting weight and I'm, you know, I still eat really well, like best. Pacman's got me on like a really good, you know, um, diet and all things like that. Like it's not like I'm missing anything, but I just love food. So I'm sat there watching someone else eat like copious amounts of food, and I think it's proper weird, but I love it. <laughs> so um, I feel like right now I'm about to either ruin your career or make you the happiest girl alive. Um, have you ever spoken to Saul Rogers about the cream egg challenge? No. Ho, 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 ho. So there's, there's a record of how many cream eggs you can eat in a certain amount of time. And I think the record's like 26. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure what happens there. I'm not sure whether you just vomit profusely or whether you go into some kind of sugar-related coma. But that's the record. Now, yeah. for me, I can eat a pack of those six cream eggs in like under 10 minutes. Oh, yeah. So I've always thought, I could do this, but there's got to be something. There's got to be a wall somewhere. Like a, a, a sugar wall, an emotional wall, whatever it is. There's yeah. got to be something somewhere that basically goes, no, nah, you can't eat anymore. Now, um, do you know Stephen Millward, 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 Widge? Yeah, I've heard of Widge, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I used to go up to the Coliseum, um, back when it was the Coliseum, on a Tuesday and a Thursday to wrestle with Saul, Scott Gregory, and all, you know, all them from that kind of era. Yeah. And they were always banging on about the cream egg challenge. Now, this is something that you're gonna have to you're gonna have to DM Saul and just you know check it out. It might be something that we could get on video, uh, a bit of a cream egg challenge. But um I think him and Widge went at it, and I'm not sure, don't quote me on it, it was many years ago, many, many concussions ago. Um but I believe Saul tried it and he need, and I think his exact words were, I nearly died. So it might be something you want to bring up to him and uh, maybe set that up, but you could have like an inter-gym uh, cream egg challenge. That'd be yeah. interesting. So ask about that now. That's actually really interesting. You yeah, want to- I love cream eggs, but I don't know if I could do 26. I think, you know what, right? This is from my competitive eating watching experience. <laughs> You've got to, cut it up. <laughs> got to cut it up a little bit. So like, if you're eating a lot of sugar, then you've got to have some sort of like savoury something somewhere just to break up the flavour. Otherwise, you're going to end up dying, I think. 
So that's my professional opinion on, on the matter. But what I do yeah. want to do is the Jaffa Cake Challenge. Because, oh, yeah. What's that? Absolutely put away Jaffa Cake. I think it's like, it's like the 100 um, Jaffa Cake Challenge. There's a couple is like fast one. I'm not a fast eater. Now, by any means, not a fast eater, but... I can, if you can give me a cup of tea and a hundred draft cakes, I will absolutely smash it. Nice. What I do is, and it's really bad. Like I'm a proper, <coughs> proper biscuit monster. Like I love biscuits. And yeah. If I, I'll get a packet of draft cakes out of the cupboard. I'll have a cup of tea and I'll be eating, and I'll go to grab another one and go, "Fucking hell, I just I've them all." Like I, I wouldn't even know that I bet. <laughs> and then like the other day, I think it was only last week. Must have been about Thursday last week. Um, I get two packets. In one day, and I was like, "Oh shit, that's really bad." Like eighty calories per biscuit. Is it <laughs> something like that? Yeah. But it goes down so easy. I know, and you think I've just eaten however many, you know, probably like someone's full intake of, of calories in in like literally five minutes. It's bad. It's like a proper problem. I think I need to see someone about it. <laughs> so I'm no, I'm no Joe Rogan here, but I've just uh, googled Jaffa Cake Challenge, and I'm halfway through. And this is, in, in order of listing, this is what it's come up with. Jaffa Cake Challenge. Jaffa Cake Challenge Death. Death? Jaff- yeah, <laughs> I, I, I'm going to check that out, actually. <laughs> so what have we got? Mother of One, 24, Chuck to Death following Jaffa Cake Challenge. Wow. Okay. Uh, you know what? I'm not going to read that. Um, <laughs> let's keep this light. Um, so let's go to Jeff Cake Challenge. Let's check out the world record. So Stu Haler, a 39-year-old British man, so good that he's British, won a recent Jaffa Cake eating competition and set an unofficial world record in the process. In just three minutes, Stu ate an incredible. Right, Levi. I'm going to give you a bit. I'm going to give you a bit of a challenge here. If you can guess without using Google, yeah, how many Jaffa cakes he ate in just three minutes? I'll give you a hundred burpees tomorrow live on Facebook. Think right. So this is this is going back to me saying about these competitive eaters, right? So I actually watched yesterday, this is why Jaffa Cake's fresh in my mind, which is a girl you need to Google her called Leah Shukkiva, I think. And okay. uh, Leah Shukkiva, she's the number one UK um, competitive eater and she smashed that challenge. Literally, I think it was yesterday she'd done it and it was 40 Jaffa Cakes that she ate. Was it 30 she did? In, in the three minutes? Was it three? Was it thirty six? Or am I thinking of a different challenge? No, it was thirty six. You're right. I owe you hundred burpees tomorrow on Facebook Live. But she done forty in literally about two minutes. Probably not even under a minute. I think if you Google it, if if you got if you've got YouTube or whatever you've got there, um, she she's done it recently. Leah Shukkaver, she's called, and she yeah. Of them, I think it's S H U T K E V. Girl vs. Food? Is that... that yeah, and she Is it like um? she got dark hair? So we've got Leah Shukkaver here. She's in shape as well. She's a fucking animal. Honestly, she... If you see some of her stuff, it's ridiculous the amount of food she can put away, but she's really, like, in really good shape as well. Is that her? She looks like a fitness model. Yeah, she is. 
Well, that's just killed all my nutrition plans for my clients. Um, 100 Jaffa cakes in under seven minutes. Leah shook care of her. She can do it, but she's done a recent one under, I think it's in a minute she's done 40 or something like that. So she smashed the, the record. Wow. Do you know well, what? I, first part of me thought, oh, I'd love to marry her. But then I thought she'd eat all bloody Jaffa cakes and I'd have to kill her. She'd fucking eat the cupboard, I think. She, nah, she'd be. Eddie Hall. Eddie Hall, yeah. Yeah. Well, she does food challenges with him, and he's like obviously a big lad, and he, he's practicing how to become a competitive eater. Yeah. And, uh, and she just absolutely smashes him, and he's just going, it's embarrassing. Like, I can't can't keep up with her. She just absolutely, she's an animal. <laughs> you don't want to take her out on the date, guys. Bloody hell. She costs she a bomb. If I ever took a girl like that out, right, I'd be taking her to Tesco's when Jaffas are on offer. Yeah. Or get the cheapos, Jaffas. They're actually good. You know, some are. Some are. See, I like Jaffa cakes, the original Jaffa cakes, because of the softness of the... Uh, I don't even know if softness is the word, but the softness of the base. Yeah, I agree. But some of them, some of the budget ones are exactly the same, but you can never tell. And some of them have got that crispy base, and I, I, I oh, I could, I could kill someone over a crispy base. I hate it. I don't like that to like just bite. Like I say, I have a cup of tea, and it's a bit more sturdy for when you want to dip it, and then mm. that bit it disappears in your mouth, and that's how I end up eating twenty in about thirty seconds. So I might be the next uh, world record holder for Jaffa. You could be the next. I, I, I could be posting this podcast out saying I spoke to world record Jaffa eater. <laughs> But yeah, you but, need to get on to Saul about that cream egg challenge. I want to see that. Oh, I want to see it now. That's actually quite interesting. <laughs> like I say, I'm not fu- I'm not fully up on details. I'm not going to go. <laughs> I'm not going to go live on here and say, "Oh yeah, this is what happened." Because I, I mean, it were wrestling sessions, and if you've ever been in a wrestling session with Jake Bond, Jack Cartwright, I mean, these are guys that you train with anyway. Saul Rogers, Scott Gregory. <laughs> You're half-ass taking notice and half-ass throwing up. Yeah, I totally understand where it comes from there. <laughs> yeah, they're all savages. Um, so anyway, just uh, just going back a little bit to um, we were talking about how um, Dakota was that pivotal moment in your career, and oh, yeah. obviously I keep an eye out um, on fighters that I like, exciting fighters. Um, especially now, I'm starting to understand the circuit the UK circuit from beyond, you know, my own nose, when I was, t- when I was uh, heavily involved and I were a pro fighter and I were, you know, there were a time I was making waves. You don't really give a shit about anyone. You kind of just focus on yourself. But now I'm going into more of a, um, a commentary position and trying to learn that side of things. I'm keeping an eye out on people. You're definitely the one, one of the ones that I keep an eye out on. Um, first of all, I want to ask you, you fought on the IMMAF. Okay. Um, now, or have you got a couple of questions? <laughs> sorry, what's that? Do you want me to go into my math now, or do you want, like, I mean, yeah, me? I just wanted to ask you, like, uh, what were that? What were that feeling like for you? Because when I was an amateur, it kind of there was nothing like that for someone like me. Uh, there was nothing like that for anybody. We went from, I mean, even pro shows, and I'm talking about your big, big shows. We fought in like sports halls. Any other show we fought in a smoky working man's club, you know. Yeah. Now you've got this massive stage amateur and there's people like yourself who have fought on it. I know people like uh, 
local to me, like Joanne Doyle. She's fought on it. Um, you've got Mohammed. I can never pronounce his last name. I'm going to say Makayev. 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 Um, yeah. Wiki guy. He's pretty much done everything there is to be done on IMAF. Yeah. What would it like for someone like yourself just getting on there and doing your thing? It's it's like so. I've got these two sides to it, which will probably I'll, I'll start with a good side. So it's it's really good. It's like it's something that you can't really um, compare to any other experience that you've got because obviously we've not got MMA in the Olympics, mm-hmm. and this is kind of the only platform that will allow you to to represent your own country in the sport that you do. Which that was like the best thing. It was the best feeling, obviously, you know, for your family as well. Like being really proud, you know, wearing the flag and and everything, which was really good, really good experience. Obviously, flying to a different country with this, you know, it's not necessarily your your teammates. You're with this random team, but obviously, you, you're all on the same team representing yeah. England, what have you. Um, you know, making friends and and creating those experiences, which was like it was brilliant. Especially going to Bahrain because that's like you know, other side of the world to me. Um, yeah. You know, you know, complete culture change and um, just really good, like going out there on your own because I'm still quite young. I was 22 at the time and, you know, never really been away on my own before, but it was just like a really good experience. Um, but I think it might be an unpopular opinion, but I think it blew way out of proportion as to how, like, good the people are there. Like, yeah. if you look at records of people, it's not like you're going out there and fighting... Some of them, obviously, the, the, the champions of like previous IMAF tournaments are obviously very good. They've got brilliant records. Look at Mo, like he's, yeah. he's you know plenty of people. Not saying the talent pool is bad, but what yeah. I'm saying is, if you go out there, say say for example you're a junior, and then you go and fight two people, win a gold medal, or fight five people, win a gold medal, or whatever, and you're saying that you fought against these world class people, they've probably only had one fight. Yeah. Right, so they might have a mixed record like myself. Like I, w- I wasn't going over there thinking I was just world champion. I was just going over there then thinking I was world class. Sorry, I was going over there to get the experience and fight people from a different country and what have you. But yeah, it's it's really good for that and obviously really good for you know building your record as well. Um, but I wouldn't say like they were the best in the world. I think I f- I feel like that's quite tight to say because there's some people on the you know the regional circuit like you know in England. Scotland and Wales and you know places like that where they're actually really good and probably a lot better than these people at IMAF but yeah. they not can't afford to fucking go like it's really yeah good. the amount of money that you have to spend to go there I know yeah. you can get sponsors, but a lot of people can't get sponsors and oh. I think it's a bit tight that you know someone can go and win a gold medal yeah. but you think that guy thought you fucking would not have that gold medal mate because he's you know much better and it's the fact that you not that you got lucky yeah. in the tournament but the talent pool isn't as good as people think it is. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of people on there who, like I say, are 1-0 or even having the debut fights, you know, from, you know, on, on IMAF because it might be in their country, you know, where it's where it's being based and they have the, the debut on there. Well, it's not, like, again, it's not taking anything away from it. I just No, no, no. It's a bit harsh, the amount you have to put in. You, um, say, you say what you want to say because, like, I believe that it's very kind of... Corrupt in that sense. Um, and I don't know if corrupt's the right word. For me, as an outsider looking in, you've you've got these amateur fighters that are looking for a lot of sponsorship, okay? And I don't know exactly how much it costs, but, you know, I'm going to take your word for it. It costs a fair bit. I've heard other people say the same. 
um, which probably limits the talent pool as well. Maybe it's not what you know, it's who you know. You know, somebody can drop you a couple of grand and say, yeah, go away, here you go. You know, yeah. then you're it. Um, and I think it's almost, uh, with the IMAF, I think it's run before it can walk. I think, first of all, we need to look at, as a sport, as a worldwide sport, looking at some kind of funding. Uh, yeah. I've always believed that someone like Bellator or UFC could jump on this with the amount of revenue that they make could be the one to kind of fund the tournament yeah. and use it as a little bit of a stepping stool to kind of say, these are the fighters of tomorrow that we're watching out. You know, we're going to watch them grow. Yeah, that's it. And it's, like you say, like as amateurs as well, like we're expected to put on these amazing performances. And you know, if you're not good, you're not getting an initial. If you're not getting knockouts, you're not on this yeah. show and whatever. But we're not getting any fucking money for it. But we've no. got to put on good performances. And in fact, some some amateur fights are much better than the pro fights on some cards. Definitely. But, like that's it. It's, if you if you're asking for someone for loads of money, especially at amateur level, it's yeah. like shit. Like I I obviously set up a GoFundMe, which I actually hated. I've done it through gritted teeth because I hate asking for money. <laughs> yeah. It just got to the point where I'm thinking, shit, it's like £600 for this and I've got to get a medical, I've got to get this, I've got to get that. It's fucking hell, you know, it's a lot of money. Yeah. Um, but the experience, like I say, is brilliant. Like, I've had some of the best memories going over there, you know, with the team and my mates over there and just doing different yeah. things, especially like the recent one in Rome. Um, but I just think some things could be handled a lot better. Like, I'd, I'm not a sore loser, I'm really not, no. but I think the judging's very good. Um, I don't think the, like this is my opinion, so you know, don't put it on there like as throughout the whole, you know, yeah, staff or whatever. But the last two performances that I had on there I felt like they were probably my worst I've ever done. But mm-hmm. the third fight that I had against the South African in the world championships, she was the African champion, so I'm a African champion, so she wore the gold kit. And I watched that fight back actually the other day, and I thought, how didn't I win? Like, everybody yeah. who watched fight said you should have won but she got split decision but we won't talk about that that's whatever like you know an experience that's happened hey don't worry about it this is what we're here to do we're here to kind of put the world to rights and talk about shit you know we all we all feel what we feel and we all see just certain things that from my career from being close to other people's careers that you know i've seen similar things just on a just on a uk level um and it happens it happens um i mean you see it at ufc you see a UFC, and let's let's just say UFC. It's it's not just like one promotion. Like there's a lot no. of decisions that could have been, you know, yeah. sent another. And that's all part of it, you know. Yeah. Whatever happens on the day. And we need um, to have a universal kind of scoring criteria. I know these these things chopping and changing because, in the grand scheme of everything, we're still quite a new sport, and yeah. I think we're still kind of finding us way in. Um, you know, what we're going to allow, what we're not going to allow, what we're going to score, what we're not going to score. Um, so, it's all a bit blase, isn't it? They kind yeah. Of I like recently what happened with them. Um, did you watch the recent Manchester card in Cage Road? So not the one that was actually Manchester, the one that ended up being trans, you know. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. So I really, one of the best fights on there, which I really enjoyed, was Perry Goodwin versus Steve Amiable. Mm-hmm. And... People watching that probably would, thinking about old rules and stuff like that, probably thought, oh, Steve won because of all the takedowns, but he didn't do anything with the takedowns. Like, everyone was like, oh, that was a bad decision. Like, he, yeah. you know, Steve won, but did you watch it? 
Did you watch that fight? Um, I vaguely remember it. I've watched about 50 fights since um, catching up on like old glory and whatnot. But um... I'm quite happy that he, that, that Perry won because it, it mm. kind of reinforces the fact that significant strikes and damage and cage control actually comes into into play, not just yeah. the down of I'm going to secure a takedown because it was. I think the first two rounds was very like um, back and forth but Perry was landing obviously the much more significant strikes he was sharper on his toes moving around mm-hmm. and, then, and then in the third round I think Steve must have got like four takedowns but it was more like I took you down but Perry's up again and I thought please don't let him take this fight because he's just took him down like that yeah. can't be you know the element of he's won this fight because he's took him down like I think now I'm not 100% sure is it if you've got a takedown you've got to do something with it is that is that a thing now? Like, you... yeah, yeah, and I've always believed that. I've lost a few fights on just I've been, and especially old semi-pro rules. This is like a prime example for it. I've been lighting people up because even though I was known as a grappler, I actually came in as a striker from boxing, yeah. and I was lighting people up because it was the small gloves, you know, the pro gloves, but just no no headshots on floor. Um, and I'm talking about like the old old semi-pro rules, so. Yeah. I'd light people up on the feet and they'd take me down just to get a breather of not getting hit in the face. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they wouldn't do anything. They'd stand back up and they'd get it again. Um, but over the course of the fight, they might have taken me down five times and they've got to win. Do you know, because yeah. for some reason that, that, that takedown, and I think that's um, the, the sport of MMA went through a massive transition period where you were either a stand-up fighter or you're fighting off your back. And then this wrestling came in. It's like, hang on a minute, this is the glue that holds two of them together. So that's got to be worth a golden star right there. You know what I mean? So people like, you've got your Josh Koscheck's. If you look back at, like, say, GSP's title reign, you look back at people like Josh Koscheck, Sean Shirk, even Matt Hughes, Tito Ortiz. If you didn't score, if you only scored a takedown when they did something with it, would their careers have been the same? Yeah, that is true. You know, it's it it's mad. Shots, last double leg. <laughs> yeah. That type, type of stuff, but that worked, didn't it? And it kind of still does yeah. to this day, especially in amateur MMA, because you see that, don't you? Like, oh, it's getting yeah. a bit, you know, it's getting a bit wild there. I'm going to take him down and I'm going to top of him for the rest of the round, and that's yeah. control time. I mean, I can understand that because, yeah. you know, but if I've got someone on the floor, I'm going to want to fucking punch him in the face. Like, I don't want to just lie on top of him. Oh no, um, you've got to wait someone in first. You've, you've got him, and that's yeah. that's just uh, that's just it, and that just plays perfectly into like Khabib's game, isn't it? Like he'll take yeah. it down, but he don't. Everyone says like he's a crotch sniffer and all this shit, but he's mm. fucking hammering you. He's hammering you on the floor. He's not yeah. looking at you. lay on you. He's absolutely hammering your head in. And oh, that's, yeah. that's how you how you play that game is he's, he's not there to just run down the clock. He's hurting you at the same time, so. Yeah, and that style against the fence that Khabib plays where it's like he'll take you down, but then he'll let you climb back up, but he'll position himself on top of you to knack you. And then he'll take you down again and he'll give you a few digs and then a few more. And if, and, and they are solid shots. He's winning them from his waist. Yeah, but it's not... I was watching the... I've watched, I've watched loads of fights over the last couple of weeks, obviously, because I've got nothing else to do. Um, <laughs> but the fight with McGregor where he's hitting him against the cage, like he's got hold of him and he's on the floor, he's kind of playing mm. guard a little bit and he's, I think yeah. he's butterflies playing, but he's bringing these shots down and fair play to Connor, he's got a fucking granite head. Yeah. Hammering him in his head and I think, 
shit, like he wants to really hurt you. Like he's not, you know, doing volume shots. Like he's not just wanting to score points. To no. He's trying to break your face. And that's exactly what he did say he wanted to do, isn't it? But, it's pretty much what he does. Yeah. Look at the he's fought. Was it Barbosa? Yeah. Do you remember that fight? I have never seen... I mean, Barbos is a handsome guy, like, as far as guys complimenting guys go. You know, he... he you like know, a think, Bloody hell, you're a troll. Yeah, he did. Um, <laughs> look at Michael... Michael Johnson, what it? When um, he were over the top of him, saying, quit now, quit now. I, you know, I want, I want to fight McGregor, quit now. He genuinely felt bad for Michael yeah. Johnson because Michael Johnson would have stayed. Yeah, and he didn't want to hit him no more. He was just like, "Yeah, I'm going to carry on hitting you, but please quit." Yeah, it was. I like that fight as well. It was a pretty good fight because it could have gone very differently because Johnson actually rocked him really bad. He did. Yeah, he was the first person to expose that chin. But that's the same with um, Justin Poirier as well. Like, I really like Justin. Like when we were saying before about people, like you said, like Aldo, um, because he came back from the brink of you know death with with McGregor's yeah. left. But I think that's the same with, with Dustin because he got knocked out of, of Connor, like embarrassed, and then look at his you know, his reign after that, like his, his journey. Mm. I I really, I think he, I rate him. I think he's a fucking really good fighter. Yeah, Especially definitely. Gaethje out after like four rounds of complete fucking insane madness. Yeah. But Gaethje, oh. I absolutely love Gaethje as well. Like there's so many guys that, that in that division that I absolutely love. It's, I would like to see. I don't know what I'd like to see more: Gaethje versus Khabib or um, Ferguson versus Gaethje. I'm not asked about Ferguson and, and Khabib anymore. It's cursed. It'll never happen. Yeah. But I think I'd like to see Gaethje versus Ferguson, but it would be bloody. Yeah, that's that for me. Out of um, Khabib and Ferguson, I'd like to see Gaethje versus uh, Ferguson because I think if I'm looking at a Gaethje fight, I want to see someone who he matches up well against and. Khabib is going to nullify what Gaethje does because Gaethje walks forward and you know that that's a wrestler's dream. Yeah. Um, you walk forward, upright, you're trying to throw those kicks out at clinch. I'm going to take you down. Yeah. But I think Ferguson, he finds peace in that madness somehow. And I I believe he'd like, he'd love, like Gaethje's going to walk forward and those elbows are going to cut him up. But then look what Gaethje does in that clinch. Yeah, he's got such well, an orthodox and effective clinch. I'd love to see that fight. I was wondering. I, I would like to see him versus Khabib as well, though, because he was a was D one wrestler, wasn't he? American D one wrestler. Yeah. And also, his calf kicks against um, Poirier was ridiculous. And I just think, mm-hmm. like, obviously wrestlers shooting as well. Obviously, need the legs underneath them. And if he's with Khabib as well, with how he shoots, he doesn't shoot like a perfect double leg or a perfect single leg he'll just shoot anywhere like he'll shoot low won't he really on your ankle and then yeah and i think i just feel like i have this mad vision of him going to do that and gaethje's going to boot his face off as he's coming in oh that'd be beautiful so quick with that calf kick yeah he just goes to throw it and he tries to catch or he'll catch it and take him down i don't fucking know but (laughs) it's just these things you think about and then yeah I think Gaethje, I, I want to see Gaethje get a good, a, a good few more fights in. Um, it, for me, he's probably, he's that sleeper on every card because he don't talk a lot of shit. 
he's kind of like gets in there and he does it, but his, his fights always end up like your jaws drops regardless of what happens. Um, I'd like to see him get a few more fights and, um, you know, really work on that consistency of what he does instead of being, he reminds me a lot like Chris Lieben. He don't mind getting it in oh. head because he knows what he's going to do. Um, so long though, doesn't it? Yeah, that's it. Um, I'd like to see him kind of sharpen up a few things and then maybe go, you know, go at them top ones in division. It's like he doesn't he doesn't need to prove that he's tough anymore. Like, although it's good and everyone wants to see him and that's probably yeah. why he's so far up straight away. Yeah. But it's like, oh, God, I, I feel for him. Like, he's an intelligent guy. He's like a, he's a social worker as well. Yeah. Like, he's, he's got a solid head on him and I think when you walk in the ring, the cage, sorry, and act like a fucking fool and get <laughs> like stop it he's got a big old head though yeah you know he can win that's the thing and you can just, just actually get your wits about you a minute and you'll actually win that's instead of like, but i suppose that's what it's that's what it's about isn't it yeah right then well we're gonna switch it up a little bit okay so just a few more minutes of your time um yeah i'm not well, doing anything hey it's cool um so uh Obviously, we talked about the pivotal fight in your career. Um, you went off to the uh, IMAFs. You've kind of come back, and what I'm seeing more and more for you from you is the uh, the rounding of your game. So, yeah. I keep, me personally, if I'm a, if I'm a fan and I'm talking, which I am, and I'm talking about you. Okay, and I'm trying to, you know how it is, everybody's got their own opinion on fighters and or what they're thinking psychologically and stuff like that. I'm a firm believer thinking that that Dakota fight made you not want to be in that situation again because there were a few times where it looked pretty, you know, it looked pretty shit. It looked like yeah. you were going to get fucking hurt. I love the fact that you came back and you were just that, you were that gritty, never say die underdog. And, you know, there were a couple of moments in that fight when I thought, you've got this. Yeah. So I believe, and I'm talking from like my own uh, psychological view of my own fighting as well. Something happened in that fight and you've gone away and you've really worked your ass off on a few things. And it wasn't so long back that you hit someone with. I'd like to say an overhand off top of my head, but you put you put you put their ass down like it were there was there were a fight and uh, you were throwing some overhands. I don't know if a kick came into it. I can't remember off top of my head, but my goodness, I was watching. I'm thinking that's a different Levi there. That's a different Levi from the Dakota fight, and you look like you were a lot sharper on your feet. Your understanding of your distances and your footwork in your striking. And you kind of just started to string it all together a little bit. I'll tell you what happened. So, basically, after that fight, you you hundred you hit the nail on the head. I did not want to be in that position ever again. Like, I didn't want to get embarrassed that way. Like, I, I felt embarrassed. I felt like I could... The perfect way of putting it was when, again, when, when McGregor fought Khabib and he said what he did wrong was he was thinking about more what Khabib could do instead of what I can do. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what I did, was I was more worried about what she had than working on my game. So yeah. what I did, I went away and was like, right, fuck that, I'm not not having that anymore. I'm not, I can't have that mindset. I've got to work on myself. So um, obviously went to IMAF after that and lost pretty, you know, I lost by decision. But I, again, like it was, it was too early. It was like two weeks after the Dakota fight. I probably had concussion. I probably shouldn't have went. Um, and done the IMAF tournament and the girl elbowed me 
loads of times in the back of the head, which elbows are illegal anyway. Yeah. Um, had the ear split open and everything. It was all, it was pretty bad, but good fight, actually. I thought I won that one as well, but whatever. Um, and I came home and I was like, right, I've got to do something. I've got to really focus on something. Like, I've made a couple of bad decisions, obviously taking the IMAS fight. And so worked with, with my coach, Matt Inman, I just worked on everything, worked on my striking, worked on my, my wrestling, just worked on not not singular things, like working, putting everything together and being that all-round person. Like, if you want to shoot on me, great, I'll fucking, you know, sprawl your head into the canvas. If you're going to box with me, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to hurt you. I'm going to, you know, if you want to kickbox with me, I'm going to check your kicks. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to kick you back and... That was pretty much like my, my mindset was just get better at everything. Don't, you know, dwell on what's happened. Um, and then um, I kind of went through a, a period of time where I got rid of my Instagram. And I kind of like cleared my whole room out. So my room now is like very neutral. It's got plants in it. It's all a bit weird. Um, and like I'm just kind of focusing solely on myself because I'd be the first to admit it as I got obsessed with thinking about my opponents, thinking about what they can do and all this shit. And I was like, that's the worst thing I can do, to yeah. think about a person. Um, and then just completely like focused on everything that I know I'm good at and my, believing in my power because, like Matt said to me, you and I, you know, you'll, you will knock people out. Like, you have got the power as a fighter, like, especially as a flyweight female. You yeah. you're gonna, you know, if you get your hands on someone, you're going to hurt them. And that's just basically what I'm working on is just believing in the fact that, you know, I can actually do that. And that's basically where I've come from from there is I've just been on a fourth, I think it's four fight win streak now, isn't it? Yeah. You're tearing it up every time I look and you're quite an active fighter as well, um, which I absolutely love. Um, I, I love people who are active but sensible about being active. Um, and you're on a tear up right now. I know that you're quite, um, you're, you're sponsored by Budo. Budo Apparel, is it? Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm good friends with Chris Clark, and uh, I know that you're the current Budo champion right now, and obviously anything that Chris Clark says just goes directly to me feed because uh, the guy cracks me up, and he's very, 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 very smart man. Um, getting behind you, and, uh, you know, that's, sometimes you can look as an outsider looking in and say, oh, yeah, Chris Clark, or it, it, someone has got behind this fight and they're fighting on their show, they're being fed cans. That's not the case. I uh, love Chris Clark's approach. He's like, yeah, I'm behind you, but I'm going to let you prove why, why I'm behind you and, you know, get those fighters in for you. Um, you're on a tear up right now and uh, the momentum's really, really good. And going back to what you said about focusing on what you're doing as opposed to your opponent, it's easy to, it's a scary thing getting in the cage, getting it in head. I don't care whether you're the best fighter in the world, everyone's got to feel when they get in there, whether it's losing, whether it's not giving the best performance, whether it's their opponent to a certain degree, everyone's got that uh, fear. More so those who get in there with people who can really test them. So Dakota, you know, everyone were firm, lack of a better term, riding Dakota's dick, you know, and saying, oh, yeah, she's this, she's that. And, and rightly so, you know, she, she's earned that. But it was almost like in the media side of things, you got lost in the shuffle a little bit. Everybody were talking about what Dakota's going to go on to do, how she's come from this to that and blah, blah, blah. It's easy to kind of hear whisperings. I've done it myself where uh, you start thinking really, you know, about, oh, yeah, my opponent's good at this. So if I can be, if I can nullify her or if I can do that, 
you almost then you're going second. As soon as you step into that cage, you're going second. And it's yeah. a big saying that not a lot of people understand, but it's go first. I like to go in there and it's like, I'm going to sharpen my game plan now. As much as I can sharpen it, I'm going to be the best at, you know, at what I do. Yeah. Your job as my opponent is to keep up to my pace. You know what I mean? Instead of me trying to, if I go in there and I'm thinking, oh, you're good at this, so I'm going to counter that. I'm always second in the dance, they're leading the dance. You've got to go in there and you've got to be that leader. And I think that's where the confidence comes from. You know, these fighters that come across as really confident, it's a, it's a mindset. Yeah, they've got that dominant game. Plan yeah. They're already written down, haven't they? When that's they're it. And you've got to keep up to my game plan now. You've got to keep up to my dance. And if you don't keep up, then you're not walking away without W, you know. So I, I do... I, I love that that's happened to you in your amateur career because... It's all square and even when you go pro. Um, and I like to see those amateur fighters. Um, you know, there's a couple of guys and girls that I watch out on and uh, seeing those fighters that take advantage of that amateur career that aren't scared to change up their approach towards a fight, then whether it's the mindset, the skill set, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. When they go pro, everything's kind of in line and it's only going to be slight little adjustments here and there as opposed to, all right, yeah, I'm going to change gym now or I'm going to change my style completely. You never get that record back at pro. At amateur, yeah. it's great. It's a great way to kind of like, you know, learn your craft, get in there, try new things, see what sticks. Do you know what I mean? And develop that, what you're doing, developing that well-rounded game. And not only that, not only physical attributes, but I think that more than anything, the mental, the mental progression, the emotional, the psychological progression that you've um, made from that fight with Dakota. Yeah, and I think it's, that's amazing. The, the mental progression um, is like, uh, like I say, I'm, I'm an active fighter. I like to take fights, but obviously, mm-hmm. smart. Well, I don't want to, you know, every couple of weeks or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I, each fight's been different. Like, what my main goal is, is what I've said from the start, is I don't, in, in amateur career, like, I'm not trying to be the absolute best of the best and have, like, 300 and no, you know, I'm going to have losses here, there, and whatever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I want to clearly see in each fight that I've progressed and something's got better. I don't want to watch a fight and go, oh, like, you know, my right hand's sloppy or my left, you know, I'm not doing very good on my jab or whatever. I want to look each time and go, oh, that was better. Or this is better, or my double leg's better, and you know, yep. putting things together better, and that's what I can see in my fights. And again, like when you said about mental progression, is the just the little the little tests that you've got to do. Like I fought a girl called Danielle Hutton. It was Danielle Hutton. I can't remember. Um, mm-hmm. It was four and zero oh from Dan Hardy's gym. Yeah. Uh, Dan Hardy's gym. Anyway, and I beat her, and then that was really good because I was like. I know I can beat these undefeated girls and she was a bantamweight and I'm a flyweight and all this. And I was like, right, so that's another, you know, notch in my belt, like I can do that. And then another thing was like, obviously my recent fight with Charlie Burke was we actually know each other and we've, you know, we've fought each other before into clubs and stuff. And, you know, we're friendly, you know, we we know each other. And that was a very hard thing to do as well is going in there and having to beat someone that you know and obviously have it on short notice, two weeks, and have it at a heavier weight, which... I just walk around at 59 and a bit anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was, again, like, those little things, that's what I've always said is, like, I want to, before I turn pro, like, I want to 
have a fight on short notice, you want to have a fight at heavyweight, just to, those extra little challenges and, mm-hmm. you know, I've overcome it and that's just another thing, like, I think that's what people need to do is, I actually need to get over the fact that it's not going to be pretty, it's not going to be, you know, yeah. everything's running games and you're fucking rainbows and butterflies, it's not, you know, you're not going to win absolutely every single one unless you mow, <laughs> mock it. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you can't lose that guy, so that. <laughs> I'm not going to lose against that guy, so don't fight him. But <laughs> you know, like, you know, it's good to, especially amateur, it's good to have losses, it's good to have great wins, mm-hmm. it's good to you know, fly to a different country because then when you go pro, you know, you've, you've kind of already overcome, overcome them obstacles, haven't you, with you know, yeah. things that you've come across at a pro level, which I'm excited to do, by the way, when I, when I do eventually turn pro. Elbows is what I'm excited for. I was going to ask you that. You know what, there's no, I've elbowed a few people in my time and, uh, it's it's great when you see them slice open. No offense to anybody who I have cut open. Um, I I, I fought Aaron Abbey twice. Um, you know, top lad, top fighter. And... Both in fights. Good. Oh, they were wicked. They, for some reason, me and Aaron, we tend to bring the best out of each other. With the first time I fought um, Aaron Abbey, I was on my first ever losing streak. Yeah. And he brought the best out of me. And then the second time I fought him, I was kind of semi-retired, just doing it for laugh a bit, just because I'm a fighter and I can't ever fully retire, um, which you will have that problem one day. You will just watch out. Uh, okay. <laughs> but um, that was that was it. I got up for that fight. It lit a fire inside me. And so, we said a few things what? back and forth, but my God, what a fight and what a fighter. I had it on the live stream. Was it ACB? It was, yeah. I had it on the live stream. I remember I was going out there or something. I was like, oh, my God. And I was watching it. <laughs> it Proper enjoyed it. Yeah, he, and it was just non-stop. And he is the grittiest person ever. And when I'm in, when I'm in the, uh, when I'm in the cage and I'm in that zone, I'm. People can't see what's going on behind, uh, you know, behind that uh, front little part of my skull. But I, I'm quite an. A, I develop a very, very evil, like almost sense of humor. Like I enjoy the anarchy, um, yeah. so it was a really, really good matchup. But I absolutely love that guy to bits. Um, I'm just glad that I can be part of his story. But the first time I ever fought him, I cut him up in so many different places. I I sat with him um, while he was getting his ear stitched back, the bottom of his ear stitched back up, um, his eyes stitched shut, and everything. And it was an horrible fight. That well, the ending to it was horrible. Um, but I'm glad it went the way it did. But the second fight, he took me down um, and I started dropping elbows at the top of his skull and we were both sat there getting his medicals afterwards and he's getting stitched up. And I'm like, how many total stitches is that that I'm giving you now? Um, But what he doesn't know is I've now got debris floating about both of my elbows because of how many times I've actually elbowed that man in the top of the head. So um, I've got to live with that for life. His, his scars have healed up, but I can't straighten my arms out fully because of his skull. So somebody's well, not all that. Yeah, because like I remember, I was talking to Jake Bond um, about saying like, "Oh, you know, when you go pro throwing elbows," and he's like, "Yeah, but it does hurt." <laughs> it <laughs> really like, hurts. I'm like, if you, you know, it's hitting your funny bone, isn't it? Like if you're smashing your elbow off someone's skull. Yeah, it's going to be on someone's cheekbones. It's going to hurt, but. I am, like, I'm a bit sadistic like that as well. Like, I kind of, I, I've always said, like, I've not been in a fight yet where there's been blood everywhere, and that's just what I'm looking for. <laughs> 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 but, like, 
I'm always like, I'm like, oh, I'd love for the day that I have to like, you know, after you go home and have a shower after a fight, you're just washing loads of blood off you. And that sounds so sick. Oh, it's one of the perks of the jobs. It's one of those things. And I think, uh, I think a lot of people like are very, they've got animal instincts. And in the moment, yeah. you're like, yes, and your BJ pen, you're licking blood. You know, you've both been tested. It's cool. Um, you know, you're, you're drawing a love out on your chest out of all the blood. And um, then you kind of, I don't know, you have a shower and stuff afterwards. You get your nice clothes on and then you just notice a smudge of blood on you still. You're like, oh, oh, what's that? I've got someone's blood on <laughs> You're like, back to normal now. <laughs> That's what I was saying is I don't sound stupid, but when I watch my fights back, I cringe really badly. Yeah. Because I've got what I call it um, shark eyes. So, like, <laughs> so like if so, I'm going. I'm walking out to a fight, and it's funny. Like if you watch, if you ever watch any of my fights, watch what I do on my walkout. Is I remember. I can't remember what it. Oh, I do remember where it started. Was I remember um, the first fight that I had for the title because I've defended it or I've defended it twice. Mm-hmm. I can't remember. Um, I was really pissed off because the person who was fighting was giving me shit. Like I wasn't reacting to it, but she was like, "I'm going to knock her out. I want to knock out on the record and all this shit." And I was fuming, so pissed off. So then I went to my walkout and I was about to walk out and, oh, and I just, like dragged my t-shirt off and like fucking stormed towards the cage and like literally got the fight over in about a minute and a half. And then, <laughs> Ever since then, I like proper drag my t-shirt off as just I'm about to walk out, and um, it just like stuck with me. And I laugh, proper laugh, like kiss myself laughing, thinking about it. And then there was a fight against, I think it was when I defended it, and Matt said to me, you know, just enjoy the walk out, you know, you just walk out, enjoy it, and all this shit. So then he looked through the little door window, and he seen the girl in her corner, and he went. Nah, fuck it. He went, do it. He was like, just drag your t-shirt off as you go out. It'll shit her up. <laughs> so then I like, burst through the doors and like drag my t-shirt off, and I'm like dead angry, like going into the cage. And it's it's shark eyes. I could, I'm a completely different person. I don't recognise myself. Oh, it sounds you and me both. That I actually understand that a lot because talking to me now, I mean, a lot of my mates they think I'm just a happy-go-lucky camp guy, but you know. I have a laugh. I have a laugh at my own expense. I have a laugh at, you know, I tr- that, when, when, you know when I said that my mum's a bitch on your status over there, I tried to tag her in it and say, ah, you can't announce him, but it won't let me. Um, you know, I'm that kind of guy. But then when I get in there, I love, I love the, I love the physicality. I love getting hit. I love hitting someone, you know, and it's like yeah. a sadistic fetish. It's a, uh, it's a strange thing. Really? I don't think any guys are going to fight me again now. I've just said sadistic fetish, but, uh, you know, it's it's a strange thing. I love the, um, like, me in there, um, whether I'm, you know, on the front foot or the back foot, whether I'm on the top or the bottom, getting elbowed or elbowing. That's my, uh, when I close my eyes and I think about being on a nice, quiet, private beach and stuff, that's my that's my quiet beach there. It's, uh, it's like a split personality. It's- it is. And it's, I think it's crazy because... Who pissed me off? Someone pissed me off. It was a couple of weeks ago, and like I don't, I'm, I'm quite good at like keeping my cool now. I'm mm-hmm. pretty getting good at it, and then and then I just like switched, and then I got like really hot, and I thought, fuck! Like I, I looked, I could tell that I looked like I was ready to go in the cage, you know, for a fight. Yeah. It got me that angry. Oh, fucking! I need to calm down. Like it was, <laughs> it's like 
when Clark Kent takes his fucking glasses off and he's Superman, like... <laughs> oh, <laughs> when you know shit's going down when them glasses come off. Like, he's thinking, God, you need to control that. Like, <laughs> you know, uh, Bruce Banner when he's fucking turning into a Hulk or something, it's just stupid. But like, <laughs> it's like, you can recognise it and think, oh, maybe I'm a bit angry, I better calm down now, but... Yeah. Yeah. Psycho tendencies. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, that's it. That's it. That's part of being a fighter, isn't it? You know, it's just uh, we, we, we've got two different sides to us, and I think all fighters do. Um, even whatever type of fighter you are, whether you're a violent, fun-loving fighter, whether you're a cocky, arrogant fighter, I think everybody behind closed doors or just in the normal home life, um, you've got two different sides to you, and it's like I go out just as, you know, Danny Missing. And everybody yeah. kind of comes up to me in the local town, like, oh, when's your next fight? And I'm like, I really don't give a fuck. I'm eating hot dogs and shit right now. And <laughs> I don't care. I don't even remember my last fight because that happened a few weeks ago. And I've done, you know what I mean? Like, I'm, I'm going home to play Fortnite with my children. It's That's all I'm doing. But it's... Uh, it's, it's, weird. it's a, I said it's like having a double life. Like, you know, all the girls in work say to me, like, oh, you know... Like, oh, I want to mess with you and think, what? I go, why? What's what you're about? And I'm like, oh, because of that. Like, but that isn't... Bring's <laughs> like, watching yourself in, in the fight and then, you know, you're a completely different person. Yeah. So that's, that's a thing, I suppose. It's not like you're a total arsehole all the time. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've got some... So I was, doing, um, I was doing a little bit of research on you earlier, you know, just to kind of... Just to make sure... I, I obviously knew a lot about you from, you know, UK amateur scene and stuff. Um, never really had the pleasure to talk to you. I remember you once um, seeing you cornering someone, sat on someone's shoulders because you were too small to see into the cage, which was hilarious. And I kind of got the um, gist of, that's the kind of person that, if I'm going to chat to, that's who I want to chat to because they're just absolutely mad. Um, that, was, that was such a good day. I know, you were really, really happy on those shoulders as well. I was commentating on that fight, and I just, I kept on watching the fight, and then out of the corner of my eye, you were just, like, really, really happy being up on those shoulders. I was absolutely pissing myself. I was <laughs> to a point where I couldn't, I was going, Abdul, I'm going to fall, because I had to, like, dig my toes into the fence, because I didn't want Abdul to take my whole weight, and he's like, I'm fine, I can take your weight, but fuck me, it was so funny. Because we fought, <laughs> like, we had to hold up the banner for George Smith, yeah. and I thought, was taking the piss when he said get on each other's shoulders and I was like yeah alright then and he went no you're going to have to because you're not going to be able to do that <laughs> it's funny I was like we look like if we had a big Mac on like we'd look like we'd be one normal sized person because me and Abdul are small like when minions go out dressed, uh, dressed up trying to get into that place I can't remember exactly what happens but you just see like Bob's arm pop out at Mac <laughs> <laughs> not that I'm calling Abdul there uh, Bob or anything. I don't. I don't want him to beat me up. But yeah, it was. It was actually pretty funny. That he was genius. But it was genius. Very... <laughs> but the next time it happens, what you've got to promise me is, especially if it's an almighty thing, I want to see a long back. Like I want to see a long trench coat. We'll have to bring the trench coat and a hat. One. And a hat, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we're doing. Um, I'm doing a little bit of research on you, and I typed in. Um, Levi Steedman, and shockingly, like, obviously, um, things that allude to MMA come up. Something that you may not, I mean, I don't fully understand it, but I feel I've got to ask. Um, 
Levi Steedman's age came up as one of the top searched Levi Steedman Google entries. Age. Yeah, I know. I thought it was a little bit weird as well. I reckon uh, your fan base has been trying to find out a little bit more about you. And uh... is it because of all my, you know, secret admirers want to know if I'm of age? Is that what it is? I, 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 I'm not gonna say yes, but I'm not gonna say no either. I feel like a few people have um, definitely. I mean, check it out yourself. I would type it. I, I think I got as far as um, typing Levi Steen, and then it came up. The rest of it, Steedman's age, and I think you were either the second or the third top. That was the second or the third top searched question yeah. involving your name. I mean, I do look pretty young. I mean, I, 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 I were going to say that you're between eighteen and twenty-two. I'm twenty-three. Okay, you're twenty-three. There you go. <laughs> but um, yeah, I was just like Levi Steedman's age. Like, sure, dog. No. Record came up. <laughs> but my age. MMA fighter or fighter came up and then followed by age. And I'm thinking, so I thought, you know, I'd type in um, Danny Missing. And yeah, nothing, nothing, um, nothing like that came up. I think the third top search thing was Danny so-and-so's gone missing. Um, can you help or something? And I was just like, right, yeah, that pretty much sums it up. No one wants to know my bloody age. Well, it's actually funny because I've been going to the same shop near my house for I don't know how many years, and the amount of times I've had to get my ID out for a scratch card, which is <laughs> 16 away, I'm like, I, I got pissed off last time. I went, are you fucking serious? I said, you have to be 16, I'm 23. He's like, oh, I'm sorry, I still have to look at your ID. Again, <laughs> full, full license out, which you have to be 17 to have anyway. Oh, <laughs> my goodness. Sake. But at least you know well, you're gonna stay younger for for longer. Oh, that's like. what you say. I got ID'd up until I was 27, and then I went tottering in. I think it must have been must have been a couple of years ago now. So uh, I went 32 last year. Um, went tottering in at about 28 year old. Went to get a bottle of whiskey. Got me got me ID out. Brand new shop. at woman goes, no, I don't need that. Oh, devastating. <sighs> I'm thinking my young looks is literally all I had. Now I just like look like an old midget. <laughs> That's it. I think the day that that happens to me, I'll be like, oh, now that is yeah. that is quite deep. That yeah, like they don't care anymore. You're old now. No That's one cares. it. That's it. Unless you're your Romero, then everybody's just like, nah, that guy. That guy's saying he's forty odd, but really he's twenty three. He's got that all there. He's that. Oh, he's a specimen in. That, that's just mad, that, isn't it? I can't even believe it. I mean, I don't even know anyone can look like that at that age, but I guess no. it's, it's been proof. Well, he's, he's Cuban, right? Yeah. Cuban. Um, there's, there's a few countries around the world where it's just like, they don't have birth certificates, or they'll say they're older than they actually are, or younger than they actually are, for like the shock factor. But I definitely think like, there's some testing needed there because that guy ain't in his 40s. Yeah, definitely. They need to do something. It's the same with a lot of footballers done that as well, didn't you, from certain countries where you don't have a clue they stayed in like 17. Yeah, yeah. And it's just, uh, it, I mean, why he would say he's older than he actually is, I have no idea. But yeah, you're right. It's um, it's almost like you get a lot of models and stuff because um, like, you know, like catwalk models and stuff. Once you hit a certain age, you kind of expired product. 
So yeah. they'll lie and they'll say, you know, oh, yeah, I'm actually 18, you know, going on 43 and stuff like that, you know, just to get, like, auditions and whatnot. But, yeah, it's a mad old world we live in. Anyway, um, I know it's not an official interview, but I've absolutely – I've loved having a chat with you. It's been a nice way to kind of spend a Sunday afternoon, talk a bit of shit, talk a bit, you know, a, b- a bit about getting um, – basically what's going on in your career and whatnot. And I do really, I genuinely wish you all the best. Um, I'm going to give you a second to kind of like, uh, you know, give a shout out to your team or um, your sponsors or anything, you know, take it away. Yeah. Um, so obviously it's really good having me on there as well, because I've got nothing else to do during the pandemic. Um, <laughs> but yeah, just a quick shout out to um, CH Productions, Connor Halliday, um, Combat Dollies, George Holland at their Total Sports Rehab, who keeps me my body together. <laughs> um, and also Budo Apro and also um, CBD Life. So yeah, that's all. The, that's the crew. And there you have it. That's a wrap on our first ever podcast, The View From Below. Thank you to Levi for taking the time out to be a guest. And uh, thank you to everybody who listened. If you have any comments or suggestions on topics that should be covered or who you want to hear me talk to next, feel free to get in touch, drop a comment or leave a voice recording. There will be a link posted below. Apart from that, stay safe, stay happy and I'll speak to you next time.